You are listening to Challenging Behaviours, the podcast that challenges behaviours towards disability. Here's an introduction. Way We forgot to say the name of the podcast in the intro. Hello there. Well done. We're in a train station. <laughs> uh, Tom is once again feeling very nervous about recording yes. an intro in public. Uh, but we've just got back from London with with Sally Phillips and Haley Golanoska. We had an absolutely lovely chat with them. Uh, we could have talked with them all night, I think. Um, Great discussion. Unfortunately, uh, uh, we, we had to leave the premises that we were on. Yeah. So, uh, uh, otherwise, it could have been like a three-hour episode. Who knows? Um, but they were both very lovely, and we're very thankful for them to give us uh, their time because we recorded this on. March 21st, which was... World Down Syndrome Day. World Down Syndrome Day. Um, uh, so you can uh, follow Sally Phillips on Twitter at Sally E. Phillips. And Haley Golanoska is uh, Downside Up, uh, mm-hmm. which is also the name of her blog. So do give that a look and have a, yeah. have a, have a browse at that. Have a gamble. Um, butchers. Uh, at some point, we do we do talk about what is potentially quite a, a sensitive subject for some people, um, but you know, just just listen to it. Tell us what you think. Um, what subject? The subject was uh, the idea of uh, abortion, Tied in choice, etc. Yeah, um, which we realise may cause some people feel a little uneasy when hearing it discussed, and that's perfectly fine. It's a uh, tricky subject to talk about to hear um but we 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 hope it's something you you engage with yeah um (laughs) um, any other business uh cool we'll see you on the other side enjoy or don't do what you want Yeah, so usually uh, when we're recording, I'll just st- I'll just record and and, and it's going because it sounds cool and pretentious. Uh, so on that note, we're recording. Uh, so hello everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. We have some lovely, lovely guests yeah, today. Yeah, we do. Awesome. Um, would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm Sally, and I'm an actress. That always sounds so low rent, doesn't it? <laughs> and writer and uh, comedian of sorts like yeah maybe I should say comedy actress in that I act, I act funny and then if people act that I'm funny the whole thing works well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also mother to uh, three boys single parent to three boys Ollie, Luke and Tom and Ollie my eldest is 13 and has Down syndrome and I'm I'm Hayley Golanoska, friend of friend of Sally's. I met Sally um, when I played a small part in her amazing BBC documentary last year, uh, World Without Downs. Um, I write a blog called Downside Up, and I'm mum to two girls, uh, Mia, who's um, probably shouldn't say this, but stroppy, forty year old, <laughs> and I definitely Nan- shouldn't say. No, she really should. Can we take that out? She's also, and, um, she's also like very gifted at yeah. editing. She's yeah. she's um, she's an amazing fourteen year old, and Natty, who is eleven, and Natty has Down syndrome too. Yeah. So. And I believe she's she's doing a stage play, stage show. Today? Well, she's she's she she's just started at a new specialist school, and which is fantastic because she's now included in 
all aspects of school life. But this is her very first stage performance at our local mm. town theatre. Oh wow! Um, in a dance production, and I'm not there, so I'm feeling all the all the bad mummy vibes yeah. today. But it's lovely to be. <laughs> but I think she's she has reenacted it several times for you, hasn't she? In the yeah, kitchen. So yeah. You, you have seen. I've her seen bit, it. I've I seen think. it in the kitchen. <laughs> she gets. She's lifted. And she's held aloft by two strapping guys. She's six years older than she is. So she's she's going <laughs> to love it, and I'll hopefully get some pictures later. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, to begin with, I guess, we've kind of spent the last couple of days sort of poring over stuff that you've done to, in, in this field. Uh, and I guess we've just wanted to speak to you both about, um, as it's World Down Syndrome Day, you, your like experiences like your first experiences with Down syndrome, if that's, if that's okay, if you, if you can... Do you want to go first? So first experiences or first sort of thoughts about what it might mean or it, do, do, sort of a yeah. minute... Oh. For, for us, um, well, we didn't know that Natalia had um, an extra chromosome until she was born. Um, so Di, um, Down syndrome was identified <clears throat> about five hours after birth. And I have to admit that I was completely ignorant. I had, I thought I knew what it meant, but actually looking back, that was a very outdated sort of stereotype. I, I imagine that she'd have sort of NHS haircut and... Um, I have really to say, Ollie has a really, truly appalling NHS haircut. <laughs> because he, uh, he's cutting his own hair as a teenager. He's trying to get it to look like a footballer's. And <laughs> keep hiding the scissors. Have you noticed? It's like at the front, it's... He's actually got, you know, that thing that, that trendy girls used to have, the special needs fringe. It's about a centimetre and a half long. Well, Natalie now a has a, sort of strip a, at the front. a gap in her eyebrow where she found me as tweezers. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> on we go. But um, I, I, I did think that Natalie would be very, very quiet and possibly, you know, quite ignored and sitting in a corner. And she, but she's very far from that. She's the life and soul of the party, as is Orly, and they're, they're very great friends. Yeah. So, I think for me, everything that I've learnt since Natty came into our lives um, bears no resemblance to what I thought Down syndrome meant before. Um, I think the very first time I saw anybody with Down syndrome, I was pregnant with Ollie, and I was researching a film that I was writing, and I'd gone to Butte. Do you know Butte? It's like a... Uh, It's in Scotland, yeah. It used to be a sort of holiday destination for the Scots. And... um, they have a haunted Victorian toilet on the pier. <laughs> what happened in that? And I was like, yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Kind of, it's now a, a you know an architectural, I don't know, relic or something. But anyway, protected. And they were yeah protected. And there were a, there was suddenly about twenty or thirty people with Down syndrome there. And I remember having the thought, oh, this is where they they send them all to the islands because I'd literally never seen. Yeah. anybody with Down syndrome before and suddenly there was this huge group and um, I remember being really aware that you know this you just didn't see large groups of people with Down syndrome where I in the places I lived so yeah. um, central London theatres cafes well quite a lot of bars at that stage I'll be honest uh, maybe not the pregnancy but you know living in north London I, I didn't really see anybody with Down syndrome and um, and the irony was that I didn't know I was pregnant um, oh no, I didn't know. I, was, I didn't know I was pregnant, but I, I obviously didn't know I was pregnant with um, somebody with Down syndrome. Yeah, yeah it was... and so then it was a bit of a crash course once he was born. And um, when he was born, the doctor was extremely nice, and so was the nurse. The nurse actually cried, and the doctor said he was sorry. Mm. I think, to be fair to the doctor, he did try and deliver the news neutrally. 
think ours did too, but our midwife but cried as well. Yeah. So it kind of sets that tone yeah, that it's yeah, really yeah, bad definitely. news. And the it? midwife who's trying to break the news to us kept asking if we had any Chinese heritage. <laughs> and because my ex-husband's a bit of a joker, he just said yes. Yeah. So that, that didn't help, really. That probably delayed the diagnosis by three or four days. So by the time Ollie was actually diagnosed, he, um, you know, he hadn't been able because a lot of um, children with Down syndrome have quite poor muscle tone when they're born, so feeding's uh, really difficult. And if you're uh, determined to breastfeed, as I was, uh, you can't tell how much they're... And it was, he was my first child. Yeah. had no idea whether he was actually getting anything or not. He was, looked like he was latching on, but he just kept losing more and more weight. So mm-hmm. the fact that he wasn't diagnosed was, in fact, very dangerous. So he wasn't diagnosed until 10 days after birth, after which he'd, you know, by which time he'd lost more than half his body weight and was yeah. quite dehydrated. So... Um, yeah, no, it's a crash course for uh, lots of doctors, lots of therapists. Um, and you very quickly go into... Did you very quickly go into fighting mode? I think just sort of an autopilot. And, and I, uh, for us, uh, Natty spent three weeks in neonatal intensive care. And for me, it felt very much um, as though she wasn't our baby. Um, I remember asking if it was OK that I touched her or yeah. held her sort of asking permission and it very uh, we uh, we sort of felt as if we were being carried along by this safety net but th- when we brought her home 3 weeks later that's when i think i felt truly scared and in charge of this very vulnerable um, vulnerable young lady and i remember ha- she had a heart monitor on that she had was born with two holes in her heart Okay, I'm feeling quite emotional saying this. I've forgotten uh, about this. After watching <coughs> a lot of yeah, things you've uh, both done uh, the last few days, I've, I've brought tissues because oh, I've cried quite a few times. Oh, you, know, you cried. I think because yeah. we oh, cry. We do yes. tend to cry. We are soppy sausages. But yeah. <laughs> I do remember so putting her in um, a little crib in the living room and she had this heart monitor on and um, spending the first couple of weeks sleeping on the sofa next to her. And that little heart monitor went off all the time false alarms and and not really sleeping just watching over her absolutely convinced that that she was going to die um but she didn't but um and i also remember every time the phone rang while she was in neonatal care thinking they're ringing to tell us that she's not that she's not made it it was a very terrifying time but as as sally says it's a it's a the steepest learning curve Mm. um you'll ever be on but i think what we've both learned is that all of our children, whatever their condition or diagnosis, are completely unique individuals. And you're learning just for your family, and you're learning That's how true. to parent. We, we were different. We it was we didn't. We Ollie did have a hole in the heart, but um, we didn't have a heart monitor, and they weren't intent. They didn't do surgery, and the hole closed on its own. So. Um, yeah, so we did have quite a different... For me, I was totally obsessed with feeding. Did you have a feeding tube? Did you have a feeding tube? And I expressed, and I'm going to do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't so I can describe that, I'll tell you my Harry Enfield story. I told you my Harry Enfield story. <laughs> no. Weirdly, you, do you know you're too young? To, do you know who Harry Enfield is? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a terrible moment. They do look very young. They do look very young. Yes, yeah, loads of money. I'm 10 years younger than Jack. He's only 18. It's ridiculous how switched on this guy you do know who Harry Enfield yeah, is, though, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I didn't know him that, that well, but obviously he was, he was in comedy. He's the generation above me. And I'd, I'd had this baby, and we'd been... I don't know, we'd been a while in hospital. There was nothing actually wrong. We were just... It, they just had... I think they were covering their back. 
at the and Royal the Free because they hadn't the they hadn't identified him early enough, so he was put in danger, and we could have sued them, but we decided, you know, who wins from that? Nobody wins anything here, so we didn't sue them. Um, and then one day there was a ring at the doorbell, and it was Harry Enfield holding a little briefcase. At your front door? At our front door. I don't know how he found out. I mean, we did we have the same agent? I don't think we even had the... Uh, we did for a period have the same agent. We didn't have the same agent at that point. He'd found out where I lived, and he turned up and went, Hello, I've heard you've had a baby. And I said, Yes. And at this stage... <laughs> I, I was eight stone when I got pregnant, and I was 13 stone when I had Ollie. And I only lost a stone in the birth process, to my horror. So I was 12 stone, and I'm small. I had gained a lot. I, that was a lot of cream cakes I put away. A lot. And I, and I had this horrible, which I thought would be luxurious, a white company brown Terry Towling dressing gown. <laughs> In a medium, so I'd normally be an extra small, so medium, like massive brown. I just looked, I mean, I looked like a dog blanket. Did you open the door in that? Many, I opened the door in that, and so Harry Enfield comes in, and I'm, you know, swollen up, and quite shocked, and quite shocked to see him, and I've got this baby, and I haven't really intended ever leaving the house again, I don't know about you, but he, anyway, he said, um, I love Downs babies, and um, I thought you might need one of these. And it was a hospital expresser, a double pump hospital expresser for expressing breast milk because you can't, it's sometimes very difficult to yeah. feed the baby just yeah. latching on. So yeah. you, you give, not only do you give yeah. milk by a bottle, but you give with a special teat as well. He'd, he'd, he'd brought, he'd rented the whole kit <laughs> from a Wigmore Street <laughs> specialist the most pharmacy. It's the most thoughtful thing, thing I've ever heard. You've ever heard? Yeah. It's um, something he did specific for you. He just travels the country doing it. Yeah, he did it for me. I was essentially oh. I, was, I was milked by Harry yeah. Enfield. It's kind of wrong, isn't it? But anyway, so he turned up with this thing, and um, that's just the most isn't it? A kind, thoughtful, most thoughtful, kind, thoughtful. and amazing thing. He and, must have um, known. So he, he obviously knew. And it turns out he's good friends with the Rosa Monkton. Okay, Domenico. Okay, okay. And so he turned up with this thing, yeah. and that totally transformed. And was it, it blue? Ours was blue. We had this big. It was, it's about it was the size like, of a house brick. It's aqua. Oh, oh, ours was a hospital blue, and it does the double. You know, I'm doing the double pump. It was the most awful thing. And then you get sorry, young men. It feels wrong to say you, but I'm going to say anyway because my friend Haley's here. That you get a letdown reflex. I went like normally your baby would cry, and you might get a letdown reflex. So your your breasts. There we go. I've said it. It's all going to be okay. Hold on tightly. Sorry. You have the milk starts coming for the baby. But on my body, thought I'd given birth to like a. When I, I started cleaning my teeth with my electric toothbrush, my body would. I would get the letdown reflex. There were road work because of the noise. Because of the expressor. That's hilarious. Awful, because I was expressing for six months. Yeah. But anyway, when I took this thing back six months later, by the stage Ollie could feed. Um, Harry had paid for the whole thing. Oh, wow. wow. What a gorgeous man. What a gorgeous man. That's amazing. Well, we, we had one lent to us from the hospital, by the hospital, but Not it made such... Not everyone could be lent to breast by, by, by Harry and Phil. But it made such a difference to us that we fundraised and were able to buy five for the unit after oh, wow. all family oh, and friends awesome. pitched together. But, yeah, wow. never underestimate a practical gift like that. Oh, yeah. You know, a little especially cool box to the special yeah. Harry The other thing that made a big difference is Rosa Monkton, who Harry then asked her to write to me which she did, and she wrote this letter about Domenica, and the thing I really remember was um, she said, oh, Domenica loves The Simpsons. 
And I'm thinking, oh, she loves the Simpsons, so it's all all right. It's all yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. Simpsons is great. Yeah. This nine-year-old has fantastic taste. <laughs> fantastic taste in comedy. Yeah. As long as it's possible to have a taste in comedy, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of... Th- that kind of story that um, shows you just a, it's sort of an opening of the curtains and a, a, like a little insight into ordinary life. So yeah. we had, there was a neonatal nurse where Natty was who had a daughter, she, still, she has a daughter who had been grown up now, who might have been about 18, who has Down syndrome. And she lent us a family photo album. And it literally just had snaps, grainy snaps, of kids opening Christmas presents, sitting on the beach, eating ice cream. And in exactly that in the same way that you describe with the symptoms, I remember th- symptoms. Simpsons. I remember <laughs> thinking, we're going to do ordinary family yeah. stuff. Yeah. Maybe in a slightly different way with a few adjustments. But we will go to the beach again. And we live in Cornwall, ten minutes from the beach. But when Natty was born, I thought we would never go to the beach again. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous to say that now. But it, that's what yeah, I thought. It's one of those things that um, I had, like, growing up, where when I told family stories to friends, they'd always be like pretty much the same but with like a tiny little bit of added what we would call like crazy where something had just gone kind of kind of you could say like wrong but in a way that was just like brilliant and that made it like 10 times better but like it is a thing that when you first come in like when you've never had an experience like that it is just this idea that you walk into a setting or if you're going to like a youth club or something um it's just like oh well what what am i going to talk about like clearly they have an additional need they're, they're not going to like anything I like like it's a, it's a weird one that people yeah. Yeah, just don't we, realise uh, discussed as yeah, kind of a preconception where you're not going to have similar interests and I just don't know where that stems yeah. from I guess it's I don't just know who, the, uh, who like decided it but um, we've yeah. kind of done this thing I, I think both of us this reversal where at the beginning it was so important to hear of all and see all the things that were the same and now I have an absolute a bit like you're saying, I'd, I really rejoice in the things that are different. The other things I really, really, really love, like, um, you know, the, the random things Ollie says when he wakes up. He woke up this morning, sat up and went, Mum, can I have a pet lizard? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, disco breakfast, I talk about that quite a lot, but um, the, he, we've got Google Home. Oh. And, uh, you know, the, the day starts with... Hey Google, <laughs> hey Google, and then you know, then there'll be a, then there'll be a disco of some kind, like five days out of seven. And a lot of dancing. Just our lives are full of a lot of dancing, a lot of the time. A lot of dancing, and and then just create. I mean, things like the other night, he went, "Mum, I fart sparkles." Okay, <laughs> brilliant, yeah, brilliant. I mean, maybe you know, maybe families that don't have, as you say, a, a sprinkling of crazy, maybe they a have that sprinkle. too. Every yeah. family needs a fart, fart sprinkle. Yeah, glitter sprinkles. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I always used to find my friends. This is I, I hope my friends don't hear this. But when we were growing <laughs> up, I used to find their stories really boring because yeah, like because no one had accidentally blurted out like a really awful swear <laughs> word or like you know or, yeah yeah or kind of just because it, it was all of us as well. It wasn't just Connor, but we were just all kind of we lost that air of people kind of looking at us or yeah. giving funny looks because we were kind of so used to it that all of us would just be ourselves and it was kind of an was awesome way to... Uh, he was third, um, but we kind of... So it's a bit of a... Like, my parents had previous children and they came together, so it was like a... It was five right. of us, but it was like more of a mixed match. Right, right. But yeah, yeah. so... Because um, we'd all lost that sort of inherent, mm. like, oh, we probably shouldn't do that or whatever. We kind of all just were able mm. to have... 
not we didn't personally have discos but like moments like that where you just kind yeah, of had your yeah, own yeah. family moments that were yeah so that's interesting so so being a sibling to someone with additional needs has brought something extra for you yeah definitely it's benefited right. you yeah. in many ways that's, we what, did, um, that's what all the studies say that um, people just won't believe it I do wonder if my siblings would say the same about me <laughs> <laughs> did you maybe I don't know possibly <laughs> I think there is the thing of perhaps sometimes our, ch- uh, our children with additional needs take a little extra attention. Mm-hmm. And would you say that was the case in your case? Did you take um, a little more I think that definitely attention? with... Uh, I'd often be having to go to occupational therapy. In, ca- in terms of appointments. Things, so. Yeah, so yeah. often being taken away to do yeah. uh, extra things. But I don't know if it's bad, but I've never actually asked. I've, we've, I think we've kind of passed over this before, and I've never actually asked my siblings if that's how they Did felt. You get them on? But I imagine <laughs> if they had that felt that way, they would have said it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think kids are, at least from my experience, is and like family friends we have who are in a similar sort of family lifestyle. That I think kids at that age are just, especially with siblings, you just say how you feel. Like I would have. If I felt it was unfair, I wouldn't have had that moment of me that was like, this is a different situation because Connor happens to be autistic. Like, to me, it wasn't like, a thing. So, yeah, also, that's just your like, normal, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's exactly. your, why would you question that, mm-hmm. you know? The Down yeah. syndrome research says that between 9 and 11 is the age where people feel most embarrassed. And then after 12... Uh, they only seem to express negativity. I mean, in a majority of cases, they only express ne- negativity when the parents are expressing regret. Oh, that's mm. interesting. And I think, yeah. uh, I think so if your parents are up for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I heard, I think it was something you, on one of your, something I've watched you say, was uh, siblings more likely to go in to work in care. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know where I got that, but I, that, I've definitely absorbed that. As siblings of a uh, child with special needs are more likely, just slightly more likely to do jobs that you might think of as caring. Yeah. So, and doctors, well, speech therapists, psychotherapists, uh, working in charities, um, care worker, nurses, that kind of yeah. thing. As you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, um, I've, I think I've spoken to. So where we work, that's been said before, that quite a lot of our volunteers, which is how I started, quite a lot of them are siblings who Mm, then come. Because I think you just, it's not not an unknown to you. Mm. And you know that it's, that hanging out with someone with learning difficulties or autism or Down syndrome isn't a big deal. Whereas Mm. it's a bigger deal when you've never met anyone and you feel like you're kind of letting yourself into some sort of crazy world where it's going to be impossible to do anything. And do you think there's an element of wanting to make the world a better place for... <laughs> I think... Those I like think your sibling. It can be... I think maybe from, like, we... Things like this podcast and stuff are probably part of me being involved is because I see a need for it because of my own experiences. I think in terms of volunteering, it was just like, I think it would be a laugh. I think it even was partly, like... My mum was just like, you should, you should do this, pinged over the email, and I was like, yeah, I'll try it, why not? And then kind of just got hooked, so... Do you... Do you I mean, it's silly, it's, you're the wrong person to say this to you in a way, but I, I think that, I was going to say, do you, do you miss being around the special needs element? Of course you miss your brother enormously, but I, I can see that my Luke is more confident when he's with Ollie, mm. because there's someone there who's going to... Mm. I mean, we always say in um, acting read-throughs, and you're doing a read-through for a film... 
that um, you know you're so grateful to the first person to mess up <laughs> because then then everyone else can relax because as long as someone's made the first mistake or the, or a radio read or or filming or whatever yeah. the first person to mess up is just sort of then there's a freedom for everybody else and it's all okay and you weren't the first one and in a way that's what I observe with certainly my elder two that Ollie will be the first person to make a mistake get it wrong spill something break something do something appalling you know fart probably. and also I think our kids are great icebreakers in yeah. terms of talking to new yeah. people for the first time you go on holiday Natty's certainly the first one to just walk over and say can I play with you on the beach or can I have yeah. some of your ice cream or whatever and so <laughs> Luke gets you know. to come in and be cool behind like, Luke always looks cool next to Ollie <laughs> 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 although he doesn't really not in a mature way because Ollie really doesn't care what people yeah. well he yeah. does care actually he does care what people think but he's he's much more um and he's much braver about putting his whole self out there than any of the rest of us are. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's an interesting one because I think it is it just it was a part of my life that taught me to be myself in a way. That's what I always say about it. Um, it was just kind of having firstly just I was the youngest of four anyway, and sort of having all thinking they were all really cool um, was just a general part of it. But also. Connor's just behaviour was so, um, he was just himself all the time and people loved that and I just remember thinking that kind of even, you know, when going through that like 10, 11, 12 sort of secondary school part, I always remember thinking like, I'm going to try my best to fit in but I'm not going to be sort of obsessed with it because I know that when I reach my old, all my older sibling age, but especially, you know, seeing it through Connor, it's like people just like people to be themselves and even, you know, I guess... It comes from in a way because Connor, Connor's himself was different to how my other siblings than being themselves was. I guess it just also showed that you don't have to be yourself and also fit a bracket of being sort of inverted commas normal. I have to say that because we're not being yeah. filmed. It's mm-hmm. uh, inverted commas. It's a regular yeah. thing we have to do. Is just inverted well comma point out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, is a, it is an interesting question, isn't it? Because um, I've got this thing at the moment where. Ollie's at secondary school, and kids with Down syndrome, you know, the outcomes are much, much better if they can hang on in a mainstream, as long as the mainstream is supportive. And we do have a, a mainstream school that is supportive. Um, but Ollie's behaviour is uh, letting him down. And in the majority of cases where, you know, where the school is prepared to learn and uh, the child can do the work academically, it's behaviour that... Yeah. ends up with a, a child with Down syndrome being excluded. And my problem is I absolutely love the way that he behaves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of the time. I just I find it's a bit like, you know, Equus, where they cure the boy and they take away the thing about him that, yeah. that is kind of remarkable. And I, I really love Ollie's sense of humour and his timing is fantastic. And his timing <laughs> comes from, c- kind of comes from disobedience, like yeah. a lot of timing does. It's always you know, there. It's, it's uh, being contrasuggestive yeah. and, and he gets a glint in his eye. Yeah. I mean, he once asked for a pizza every, about every five seconds for one hour. And it was like the, <laughs> it was like the Harry Hill... Bed, you know Harry Hill, yes. Oh, I love Harry, Harry Hill. Hill. Harry Hill, he used to do, when he first started, he used to do this, we called it the beds, beds, beds jokes. We'd go, I went past this shop and it says we sell beds, 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 beds. It just went on. Like he said, yeah, and you know that you know the shop, don't you? You can see yeah. the pain. And that was like an amazing joke. So you just keep going. So it it would be funny, 
and then it would stop being funny, and then you go, I have to kill myself now, and then suddenly it was funny again. <laughs> and, you know, it goes around like that. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, like, yeah, like Stuart Lee's All Things Bright and Beautiful thing. Just oh, keep, yeah. Yeah, all things. I said all things. That's what covered in the purple-headed mountain. That's covered in all things. Yeah, and so Ollie's, Ollie's relentlessness, I kind of, yeah. I really love, and, and his absolute joy at crossing the line and... I don't know, I just, uh, his uniqueness. Yeah. And I now have to force him to conform and fit inside a box or mm-hmm. he's going to have a bad life. And I find that really tough. Yeah. I used to, I used to work in a, a primary school, a mainstream primary school. And I, I can, like, there, it was always the most challenging thing is when they are, when uh, behavior that challenges is being, um, done that's the right word mm. and it is hilarious and you have to in the kind of the mm. school's eyes is be well at the same time just trying to contain that laughter it was always such a hard thing to do yeah. I was like oh I just want to laugh at you because you're being very funny I want to laugh and show you that yeah. you know nothing making someone laugh is one of the best yeah. feelings in the world ever yeah um We've got so many slips of paper now from the secondary school. I mean, it is amazing Ollie hasn't been suspended. <laughs> but, I mean, they come in and they're like, you know, this is a two-day two day, uh, suspension, two-day exclusion for... And you look at the box and it says reason for calling the deputy head a, a lard head. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Natty had one for calling her uh, classroom assistant a... Um, I'm going to say this very carefully. Slug. <laughs> Ollie's, Ollie's best one was when he wants to be a fireman um, and uh, contrary to what he said on Sky News this morning he didn't understand them they said what do you want to do when you finish school and he thought they meant today at the end of so school he said, day, so he said dance and play hide and seek and they're like oh ha 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 you know, how yeah. to and I sort of was cross because He's more intelligent than that. Yeah. He just she spoke very fast, and finishing school can mean two things. Can mean at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, but anyway, he wants to be a fireman, and school has said, you know, when he does well in a test, how can we reward him? And I said, well, you know, he wants to be a fireman, so maybe he can water. They've got a vegetable garden outside the domestic science lab, and I said, well, maybe you can, um, maybe he can water the plants or something. And they said, great. It was just a very stupid idea, and they should never have listened to me. <laughs> so. So he gets 10 out of 10 in a science test, and they say, congratulations, you can have five minutes on the hose. He goes out, <laughs> and then they go, well, you've had your five minutes, it's time to give it up. And he just, he, and the school, if you imagine, they've got a sort of central courtyard, and there's uh, two-story buildings on three sides, and classrooms, windows, looking out on this courtyard. And he's in the centre of the courtyard with the hose, and he's wanting to make new friends. And basically, whenever a teacher came near, he just squirted them. Oh, foot. my legend. <laughs> you know, so that is very badly behaved, and he yeah. wouldn't give it up. And whenever anyone went to the tap, he absolutely drenched them. <laughs> and so <laughs> huge numbers of staff were soaked, and it drenched. wasn't a warm day. And, yeah. um, and so, of course, he must be suspended for that. And what? But in a way, it's fantastically smart, isn't it? So he's wanting to make friends. He yeah. can't use language like other people can use language. He can't go up and just chat to people about bands or football. So he shows everyone he's got a great sense of humour. Yeah. does this thing that everyone... That most of the kids in school would love yeah, to do. Yeah, the dream, to spray all your teachers with a hose. 
Don't you think it's interesting that before we have our babies with Down syndrome, before before that's identified, and and when it is, we're we, we're given a sort of just a list of medical characteristics, yeah, yeah. or you know, this yeah. very medical. Whereas Sally and I have just sat here this afternoon <laughs> and literally just talked about anecdotes and funny stories, but personality traits, and really. That's what we see. It'd be great to write a down... Maybe you should ask for suggestions. Like, if you were going to write a description... Because the medical model of all these disabilities yeah. is the thing that has priority everywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think medical model tells you anything about... No. I mean, you've told me about your medical condition, but, I mean, I would never be able to tell. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not the thing I meet when I meet you. Yeah. And um. similarly with Ollie, but there are, you know, the medical side of Down syndrome, but there are characteristics that a lot of people with Down syndrome have that, I mean, it'd be funny to write up that description, wouldn't it? May at 13, spray teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Brutally honest to the point of, Natty will say she loves giving compliments, but sometimes... It, it might be. Sort of I one. really like your big nose. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Or as she actually said to a man on a train, "I love your spots." <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing I've experienced a lot of just working with people oh. with disabilities in general, is, especially with spots. They love it. Yeah. Isn't it? They love spots. Yeah, but then like, to point them out, to be like, oh, right. "You got lots of stuff on your face." Yeah, <laughs> what's that on your face? Oh. It's great, it's great. And, yeah. But of course, yeah. now having a slightly older teenage sister, it's Mia, Mira, Mira, I really like your spot. That's what she says to Natty has the most incredible composure. I mean, she just can hold, a, she's like an amazing film actress. She can hold a moment for a really long time. I remember time. you saying when you first met her, she, she enters a room, she sort yeah. of enters and. But it almost expects everybody. <laughs> I think that is. Uh, someone did say that living with somebody with Down syndrome is like living with a celebrity. <laughs> well, that's it. And I think they're used to being um, centre of attention wherever they go. Ollie's much less like that now. I do think. you think? Okay. Do you, do, uh, am I wrong about that? No, I don't know. I still think he's the life and soul. But he, when um, he turns it on. What's interesting is that Natty's just started at specialist school, and mm. so. Whereas in mainstream primary, little village primary, she was the little the mascot mm. of the school, and everyone thought she was funny and ha 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 and cute. Now everybody's the same, and I think her nose is slightly out of joint, but she isn't the centre of attention anymore. She's going to have, and I'm totally confident that she's going to manage it. She's going to have to find <laughs> a much more original way. She'll, she'll to the limelight. Uh, get the limelight she'll and I can see limelight. she's strategising <laughs> <laughs> but again hilariously funny and yeah. you know we, we recently um, trying to we have put our house on the market and we were showing somebody around you know it's like you spend all day tidying up and you've made sure that there aren't any dirty knickers on the floor and all of that and um, it was just no need to touch <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I meant you know go, anyway children's things and, oh God, why did I say that <laughs> We have whatever language goes. Oh, yeah, this is, this is pretty tame to all. Um, I've gone red now. Um, and cups are put away. But anyway, this lovely couple came around, we're showing them around, we're trying our best to impress them. And um, Natty was pulling off school, and so the lady walked into the, into the living room where she was sitting. She just looked at the lady and said, Have you just farted? <laughs> and the lady, in fairness to her, took it really well and said, No, darling, I haven't. She said, Well, I have. <laughs> 
as you, that comedy timing and those moments are priceless yeah. but enough of those stories <laughs> there are never enough of those stories I think yeah, as a comedian I look at Ollie <laughs> and I sometimes look and I go how did you do it how did you do that and it's like always funny like always always funny I wish that I find that I can only be absolutely sure of being hilarious if I'm in a you know something where I'm not allowed to be funny like a murder mystery like yeah. Midsummer Murders <laughs> Midsummer Murders, it's like walking across a field of landmines. It's almost impossible not to be hilariously funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not allowed. It's yeah. awful. Death in Paradise. Hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, we're taking over. Oh, no. <laughs> there, are, there are very serious people with Down syndrome as well. I mean, yeah. We're the, we're the yeah. child. And child. I, guess, I guess we shouldn't sugarcoat things. There are worries and there are... <laughs> Yes. You know, we, we have had ups and downs. I think that's to use a cliche. You, but that's partly why you laugh such a lot. I think it? you, yes. And maybe laughter is um, what keeps us all going, isn't it? Maybe. It struck me the other day that um, I suppose I live in a part of London where there's more degree educated non working mothers than there are in the rest of the country. So this may just be where I live. But um, it struck me that all the mums in this particular class, we were all worrying the same amount. We were just worrying about different things. I remember when I was uh, teaching English, when I was, when I was your age, um, teaching English as a foreign language, and um, there was this guy who was teaching English for business. We were all really jealous. We were like, you know, he had a suit so he could get away with it. Like, how do you teach English for business? He was going, it's very simple. Instead of uh, teaching the cat is on the mat, you teach the product is on the market. <laughs> you literally just change the nouns. Yes, yes, and that was, uh, yes. that was the lesson. And I, I feel like it's exactly the same, that these other mums, they're worrying about Suzuki violin and which fantastic school. And um, I don't know whether to do, uh, whether to do Mandarin. Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I said that in sync. Let's do Mandarin. And we're worrying about uh, getting extra occupational therapy, therapy or extra speech therapy mm. or pencil grips. Can we get them to the inclusive swimming group? Because, well, yeah. not your nasty, but my Ollie struggles with his weight. You know, how can I get the extra sports? I mean, you do, we've just changed the nouns, but actually, we're the same as all other mothers, yeah. and we're worrying exactly the same amount. I think that's really an interesting point because I think well, all parents it's amazing you're always this time interested. It's <laughs> been a long day. Knickers. I think <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can get some more naughty words in before the end. But I do, yeah, I think the minute you become a parent, you are consumed with worry, and um, I think I think that Mia has caused me as much worry yeah. as as Natty. There's something incredibly uh, freeing about not having to fit the norms. Or bets are off. And it would be great if we could, if we had the courage to apply that to our other, other, our other children, mm. and we don't quite. But our other children need to be released from the norms in exactly I, the same way as I think having Natty to. did do that for me. I think before Natty was born, I was thinking which university was Mia going to go to and what would she study? And, now, and as soon as Natty was born, I remember somebody writing a beautiful thing at her christening and saying... Um, you know, all we should all strive for in life is to, to share friendships, enjoy food, enjoy music, dancing. And I do remember that shift in my head for Mia, thinking, well, it doesn't matter whatever you do in life as long as you're happy. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's something we spoke about. So my dad came on the podcast last week. So you guys have got a lot to, <laughs> lot to live up to. He's um, uh, a yeah. political scientist. Yeah, so he's a political scientist. That was so why he came So we know the tone on. really successfully. Oh, God. <laughs> 
<laughs> but so he, <laughs> he was um he was excited to be sort of just uh able like it was coming at it not as my dad he was like we didn't talk about me i was, yeah. I was sat there like what's your dad but uh, so we were talking he was talking about the politics and sort of learning difficulties and the expectations i guess that people have for sort of mm. what like what one person will do compared to what someone else will do with their lives and um that's kind of what it is because he was saying that the biggest, one of the biggest issues we have as a society is that we measure like the value of your life based on how much money you make, what the size of your house is, what's this, what's that, when actually the ability to walk into a room and make everyone laugh or the ability, you know, if you, if you have a great time dancing and you just dance and that's what you want to do, you know, th- those are way better measures of, of a happy life. But it's kind and of... I think it's really, it does come down to belief actually about what you believe life is and your human rights uh your human rights uh you know how you think about those directly comes down to how you envisage human beings exactly and uh utilitarianism has taken over absolutely (laughs) is that what your dad was saying just absolutely everywhere without anyone noticing i mean one interesting thing for us is that when, uh, when screening was brought in, it was brought in deliberately to reduce the Down syndrome population. And, and, then, um, and then when you know, disability rights started up, it started to be uh, because life was short and uh, presumed suffering was great. And without anyone noticing, we now have screening for Down syndrome because life is long and the cost is therefore higher. And there's never been a public debate. Nobody with... Well, there now is being a public debate, but until very recently, there hasn't been a public debate. And there... Isn't that interesting that that shift, which is so profound in the motivation for screening, can go totally unnoticed? Life is short and full of suffering. So that is, you are terminating because life is going to be awful for the kid, you think... Though, I mean, you know, we all have questions about that. And to go without anyone even particularly noticing, to go from that to, yes, you can terminate because life is long and the burden, the presumed burden on others, meaning, you know, financial, emotional, whatever, will be long-lasting and heavy. Um, that is, that's a really profound shift that yeah. society has, has undergone I, without anyone noticing or, or blowing whistles or anything. I think, uh, so I watched uh, your documentary uh, a couple of nights ago, um, just to refresh. Thank you. And, I watched um, it when it aired. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't in the country, so I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> um, so there were two things that really shocked me, but the one that shocked me the most is when you went to Great... Ormond Street Hospital, and then you spoke to the doctor, Professor Lynch, and she said um, something along the lines of, so what do you think is going to happen to Ollie once you're no longer around? And I was like, whoa, that's... I think what's so interesting, you've got total blindness over the way their minds work. She she didn't see that that was a completely, completely unacceptable... There was a completely unacceptable inference there. So I... She was essentially saying to me... I was saying that the... Uh, they were uh, playing, uh, they were gambling with our population's future. So they're trialling this new test that may result in the elimination of the Down syndrome community, or it may not, but they're prepared, for them that's a risk they're prepared to take. And I said to her, well, the cost is quite high, meaning the cost in lives, or the Mm. risk. 
And she said, oh, no, it's actually just going to be, you know, it's going to cost the same. Quite inexpensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said, well, that isn't what I'm talking about. And then because she'd lost a point, she kind of said, um, she said, but, you know, what about your child when, when you're old? Aren't you worried about that? Her inference being, this is a good reason to screen. So it's exactly what I'm saying. It's a good reason to screen because they live a long time yeah. and aren't you a bit worried they're going to be horribly abused? Now, all of us are only... I mean, if we're lucky enough to have a long life, all of us are going to be disabled. And that's the thing about people living longer. We're going to have... People think we're going to live a lot longer, but we're going to live in poor health for a long time at the end of our lives. So it's in all of our... We're only temporarily able bodies. Able body, that's what we're called now. Tabs. We're all tabs. Tabs. <clears throat> and, um, and so it's in all of our interests to try and push society towards a more caring model, because all of us are going to need this. Or we're going to end up, or what? I mean, the choice is like ancient Sparta, where if you get old or injured, then it's your moral responsibility to the rest of society to throw yourself off a cliff. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting that the highest termination rates are in the countries where they have the best welfare models. This is the second thing that shocked me, because I really love Iceland. <laughs> yeah. It's my well, favourite country well, I've ever been to, and I loved it, and I thought, oh, wow, everyone here is so understanding and friendly, and then I saw that, and I was just like... Well, they're actually... Well, I think Iceland aren't the worst, honestly. Yeah, I think, I, um, I think Denmark, Denmark. Denmark's the worst. But Iceland... Well, I think it's really interesting that the debate is happening... Uh, is being played out with Iceland as the example because mm. they're not actually... And they're very small as well. Immoral. They're very small, so they've been able to map the entire Icelandic genome. So they're very, very interested in genetics and their own genetics. Also, they have this sort of model of a social welfare model where they all feel very committed to the community. And um, the other thing is they haven't brought in NIPT, unlike us. So yeah. we've brought in the state-of-the-art screen and Iceland don't have it. And they also have done this moral thing, quite moral thing, where they make everybody pay just 10 euros, but to have any of the tests. So you have to consciously... Whereas here, we pay nothing for any of the tests. We get even this 400 quid test, we get free. Mm -hmm. So um, actually, Iceland aren't doing that badly. So what's interesting then is to go... Why, why is everyone choosing to terminate? Mm -hmm. And and they are being very self-reflective about this now. They've got um, a whole... You know, they're bringing it up in Parliament. They're thinking of bringing down... Uh, the termination date for people with disabilities. So here we've got a pincer movement where people with Down syndrome, you've got these state-of-the-art screens that are particularly targeting Down syndrome and, um, and they're paid for by the state and there's no pathway of support for anybody who has a positive diagnosis and continues, uh, chooses to continue. And you also have termination up to and including labour. So, so up to 40 weeks. Up yeah. to 40 weeks. Um, whereas with a typical pregnancy, you can terminate up to 24 weeks and no, and no longer. Plus, we have austerity, and these, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where a benign parent could well be forgiven for thinking that, you know, life with a disability. I mean, you are speaking, you can speak from personal experience. That, you know, life with a disability in the country as it is is not, yeah. you know, is not is not easy some of the time, and in some cases all of the time. And so, um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, I, just, I do find it, find it a really, it's a good example to think these things through, because there's some things they're doing much better than us. Yeah. It's, I did see a clip um, when, I think it was someone from Denmark, and they were possibly in Sweden, where it might, it's looking like it could become a similar mm. situation there, and it was someone with Down syndrome um, talking 
to a professor of some kind. Oh, yes. yes, and then he yes, brings up yeah. the idea of imperfection. That was that made me feel physically sick. And then he with costs. On yeah, it, didn't he? it was, and it's, but it was mad with was. someone with Down syndrome yeah. sat there hearing yes. it, and you could just yeah. see how yeah. upsetting it was. How, how personal. Yeah. But it goes back to you use the word utilitarian, and it's mm. th- that's what it's all about, isn't it? Everyone has cost and. As, yeah. as you said, never mind. judge on their function. Their function. I think it's ridiculous to judge anyone on their function. It's and even, you said to me the other day, even the bake-off, <laughs> you know, it has to be a competition, there has to be a winner now. Mm-hmm. It can't just be, let's make a cake and enjoy doing it. Yeah. Almost everything has to be about being the best. It's, um, it is, it's such a strange thing. Like, so when, when I was in my mum's womb, <laughs> hanging out? Yeah, just chilling. Uh, <laughs> and they, so the doctors, tried to get my parents to do a screening because my brother had autism so they were trying to work out and uh, my parents were like well no we don't want like we'll have Tom regardless um but it's really interesting that there's that it's sort of completely okay to say like well we should screen for this and we can potentially eradicate downs or whatever um and that's that's completely okay thing to do but it's sort of it is it's just it's eugenics and it's it's trying to get rid of something that there is no reason for it. It's not mm-hmm. life. I think what I what I object to you more than anything really is that it's opportunistic and it's yeah. uh, it's for profit. Yeah. So if you think about the diseases that are disease, I mean, I don't think of Down syndrome as a disease. Yes, exactly. I think it's a type of person. But if you think there are diseases that cause untold suffering for which there are no tests, mm-hmm. and that is because they don't provide sufficient profit. Mm-hmm. And so we've not gone looking for tests to find the things that we need. One could argue that we need to find. We've gone, I mean, and this is the first time that big business has been, uh, has had a role in population screening. We can see that these tests have been horribly missold. I mean, even calling it the non-invasive prenatal test um, makes you feel that it's a swap for amniocentesis. Which it is. Which it actually isn't, because this new test is not diagnostic. So you don't you don't get an absolute result. Mm-hmm. You, you can still only get an amnio. You still need an amniocentesis afterwards. So yes, it's non-invasive, but so are all the other equivalent tests. They're all they're all non-invasive. This is more accurate than the other non-invasive tests, but it's a lot less accurate than the invasive test. Yeah. And so that that's one. And another thing that these companies have done is they've called their test well non-invasive, and it should really be called cell-free fetal DNA testing. And the brand names are things like the Safe Test, oh. which is yeah, like for peace of mind. It's not peace of mind. It's only yeah. it's going to give you more anxiety. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. give you a definite response, definite result. And um, and the other thing that I think okay, but I'm allowed to say this. Because I'm a sitcom actress, and this is you know you could say this is just me being crazy. But all the, it, what it does is it takes a sample of the fetal DNA and the maternal DNA. So one of the other problems with this test is it can do things like detect maternal cancer mm. so you might find all kinds of things that you didn't, didn't that you weren't really signing up for yeah. but also what happens to this DNA what was happening to this DNA so we know already from companies like 23andMe you know, that where they um, they sequence your genome and find out your ancestry oh, yeah, yeah. their oh, yeah. business model is they I don't know how much they charge but something like they'll charge you £250 they'll take your uh, your DNA you scrape the inside of your cheek or spit in a jar or whatever it is they do and um, then you answer a load of questions. And then they get all that information, they anonymise it, they what's anonymous in this day and age, and they yeah. sell it on because it's enormously valuable. And so 
Um, I, I, am, I would be astonished if the same wasn't happening here. So yeah. you've got the government. So this is, I mean, is it possible that this is why the NHS was so keen to develop their own test? So if governments, what then happens if governments have a DNA <coughs> database of the population? So if they're getting maternal DNA and fetal DNA from now forward, they begin to get an idea of the population's genome, the yeah. entire mm. English genome. Now, is this good or bad? I mean, in itself, it's neither. However, you can see that utilitarianism... Can, I mean, you can, you, what, what can then happen is that, again, I'm a sitcom actress and writer, and so I'm constantly using my imagination, and maybe I've just imagined this, and I should write a yeah. futuristic sci-fi novel about it, but it would not at all surprise me if uh, the government or big business are compiling uh, a genetic profile of the UK uh, to then be able to make... Um, and also, you notice David Cameron has become a consultant for one of these companies, yeah. um, to then uh, make uh, decisions about how to budget um, healthcare-wise, which is, sounds great, doesn't it? So brilliant. We've got a profile of the UK's genome. We know that half the population are going to be are carrying the gene for Alzheimer's, let's say. So let's pour loads of money into Alzheimer's research because we're going to need lots of that. Now, that sounds really, really sensible, but once again, it means that um, anyone with anything rare or anything unusual gets left behind. And I think that's something I'm particularly worried about it's one of, the, uh, one of the things that happens with utilitarianism. It's kind of great as long as you have all the same things as everyone else, as yeah. long as you're completely average in school, as long as you want to do an average job and live in an average place and wear average clothes. And, but if you're in any way exceptional, if you have special needs, any kind of disability, if you've even got unusual tastes, or you know, you, I think that you are at risk. Yeah. So who would invest in rare cancers? Who would invest in rare... Well, what happens when you get a rare cancer? Mm. You know? So, uh, so yeah, I've, I have concerns, and I think we need to be alert, and we need to. I mean, it's, it's great to have an opportunity to to talk about these things. Do I sound mad? No, I think. I mean, I, and I think it's really interesting that the people who are really pushing NIPT are a lot of them in charge of personalised medicine. Mm. So Lynn Chitty is in charge of the Hundred Thousand Genome Project. Yeah. Uh, Great England Street. And, you know, science in itself is not good or bad, is it? Or is it? I don't know. This is an interesting moral question, but um, I think what we choose to look for can be good or bad, and what we choose to do with the information that we find out and the tools that we make yeah. uh, can, be, can be good or bad. And I think, you know, we need to be an awful lot more alert ethically than we have been and um, think through the impact of some of these things. Uh, especially us in the disability community, we need to, yeah, we need to get our get our cannons loaded, yeah. <laughs> get our lanterns lit. And I think the, the very common thing that we hear all the time, isn't it, Sally? Is oh, it's about choice. It's about choice. Now, I believe very firmly in choice, but when you're not being given the full picture, when you're yeah, just being given one tiny slice, yeah. and um, things are being portrayed in a particular slant then you're not being given a choice. You're being guided or herded in a particular direction. That's it. And so, you know, Nick, Nick Rose... Yeah, Nick Rose at King's has written a book called Governing the Soul. It's like one of the classics of sociology where he sort of exposes how government... Uh, it has been for a, a while, uh, the governments of the world engaging with our psyches, trying to 
heard us down certain paths. Yeah. And you can certainly see that with um, prenatal screening, mm-hmm. where the government think it's in their interest to reduce the number of people with disabilities born. And so they create a system where there's a kind of conveyor belt towards termination, where all the help is given to you as long as you choose that, that path. We've had um, midwives tell us off the record, because they're frightened, they're telling us on the record that they're told to, or have been in the past, let's hope it's changing, told to uh, offer termination and offer termination and offer termination mm-hmm. until the parents make the right decision. Yeah. That's framed it, as the right decision. I was thinking when you... Um, mm, yeah. Uh, when I it's shocking. It's, it's thought, beyond shocking. I thought of it as the Mrs. Doyle approach. Yeah. Uh, yes. yes, it I is. Go yes. I go on. Yeah. Go on. That's go on. so Jim, right. I've no idea what My friend, uh, <laughs> yeah, so right. it's a sitcom called Father Ted, completely fantastic sitcom uh, written I've by seen, Graham I've Lenehan. seen some Father Ted. And, oh. uh, yeah, and Arthur Matthews, yeah, and there was a character called Mrs. Doyle, played mm. by Pauline McGlynn, completely mm. brilliantly, mm. who came and said, would you, would you have a cup of tea, Father? Ah, go on. Ah, go on. Ah, go on. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Go on, go on, go on. Like that, yeah. And There's it, no it is saying like no. Our friend Boo, uh, Boo Lowe, who's done such a sweet video for World Down Syndrome Day, her daughter's only about 18 months, I think, she was uh, rung and offered termination nine times by the consultant. Mm. Nine times. And she was rung as well. Rung at home. Yeah. And I mean, they have, these are people that have made yeah. the decision to continue a pregnancy. And that's not an isolated story. That's, that's standard. That's, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those situations where kind of the information out there is so skewed that you can't... It's different, like... You, you need to be given the right choice, not just like you were saying. But I, I also think the that the way, there is something ugly. I mean, I'm going to say it, all right? I'm going to say it. It's brave of me to say this, because if you say anything at all that implies that women's choice should at all be curtailed, you get disemboweled. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to hope that no one listens to this episode. <laughs> but I, I must say, I, I think that there's something so incredibly ugly about a group of essentially empowered people baying about wanting the choice to eradicate another population group. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most revolting <laughs> things. If it, if it I'm, no, no, I'm not... I'm, and I think it is helpful to start dividing pro-choice and pro-life up a bit. In, you know, and I think I've only got four categories at the moment, but I think there should be more. So I think it is helpful to think about uh, pro-life and pro-birth. So there's some people who are just so committed to the baby being born, they're not committed to bringing about social change that make that life good. Um, and it's just an ideological thing. They don't really care about the mother. They don't seem to care about the mother. They don't seem to care about the baby. Um, you know, and that's, that's really obvious in some parts of the States. So, like, people who would shoot an obstetrician yeah. for, commit- yeah. For, yeah. for, you know, that, that, that seems nuts. Um, um, so there's pro-birth and pro-life, but there's also pro-choice and pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who are so, um, uh, I guess, delighted that abortion has been allowed and it does free women uh, such a lot. It frees them, you know, especially in the developing world, it frees them from, you know, when you're having situations where people are being raped as a kind of, uh, you know, casualty of war and things like that, frees frees women up and, you know, can, although one life, putting one life over another... It's always kind of tragic. It, I think it, you know, is a necessary evil in places. But people who are so taken with that and who are so sure that oh, the fetus is not a life, that they are, you know, seem to be passionately promoting abortion itself. 
mm -hmm. as opposed to promoting choice. And you'll spot that with people who don't want more information out there, really, because they'll mm -hmm. say it confuses mothers. Like, yeah. why would it confuse... If you're making a decision that difficult, why would, it, why would you not want to have all the possible up-to-date information? Yeah, I, I mean, you would really want to know. If you're really pro-choice, you're pro-information being out there. Yeah. And there are people um, who are against that information going out there, who are against us telling our stories because they say it just confuses the issue. Yeah. And these are people who sort of deep down believe that um, people only continue the pregnancy uh, out of fear of termination and they see yeah. their job as making, you know, giving women the courage to terminate. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know, these are not stupid people and it's not that... You know, but I, I just I think that they can overdo that. In the same way as we can, you know, we're guilty of overstating how yeah. positive our lives are. I mean, you know, we, we have lots of laughs because we also have lots of tears. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so much. You, um, the, yeah, the the biggest overlapping problem that, and it comes into this screening argument is that your people aren't aware that if they like Down syndrome gets grouped into and a lot of things like autism stuff get grouped into the same category that they are sort of life limiting and kind of things like that which is kind of and they come under you know the bracket and at the end of the day you know it, it's a choice and if you, whichever one you want to make I I stand by it. but it's it's if you're given if you're given information that your baby is going to have a worse life yeah. yeah it's all about you know you need to that's the that's my problem with it is that there is a I've seen stories of people talking about how, like, they've been told even that they, their baby won't be able to do X, Y, Z, mm. and then their baby has gone on to do that. It's moments like that where I don't blame mothers for aborting, and I don't think that they were wrong too, but I just think we need to, as a culture, it needs to be, to be yeah, as you said, to be, like, truly pro-choice. You need to have such an idea of... What, it also means respecting yeah. whatever that choice is. Yeah. yeah. But I think we have to, you know, we have to let no choice look wider. I mean... So, um, you know, I do think abortion is essentially a tragic thing for, you know, for everybody, but I think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we need to look at why abortion is necessary. So, um, you know, if we didn't have these war crimes where loads of women are being raped, where, you know, here, if, if um, having a baby at 16 wasn't going to totally ruin your life which so it comes down to support well it's societal you know there's a great um uh you know lack of uh equality in society for women but even more so for people with disabilities so you know as the welfare system is being dismantled it is becoming you know it is becoming harder and harder and harder for people with disabilities yeah um, uh, to live and we need to we can't just so, you know, can't just point out that the tests are eugenic. We have to also really deal with the dismantling of the welfare state. I yeah. think. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I think it's outrageous what's happened. I mean, people not being able to get to the polling booths, people not, you know, the access to work being taken away. This is something we actually talked about last week, and um, a six-week a six-week delay for benefits. I yeah. mean, six-week delay. How you how you expect? How on earth are you suspected? How you, how you expected to survive with that? I mean, people with you know, you have a lot of... Um, I, I notice this in my industry where we want to employ more people with disabilities, but um, my jobs, most jobs, like a, a sitcom will be six weeks. Mm -hmm. Or six... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> six episodes. 
I choked on a chocolate chip. I literally <laughs> did choke on a chocolate chocolate chip. Yeah, so a sitcom will be six weeks or eight weeks. And um, it's just not worth someone's while mm. to give up their benefits to take that job. It's, it, a... it's just, uh, it's very, very hard if you've got to put your personal assistance in place and all the rest of it. So we need to, you know, it's very, you know, difficult issues. And <coughs> we were talking earlier about healthcare, weren't we? And, yeah. and education. There were so many hurdles for us to jump through. Um, our young people are still young people at the moment, but it's still, it's still you know, the EHCP process we're going through at the moment, education healthcare process, that is such a, a whole, it's, it's, it's like an assault course of hurdles to jump through. Mm-hmm. It's taken a year of our lives, it's very depressing. Um, need I go on? Shout out to. Shout out to people so that have Angus. Yeah, I've had a lot, we've had a lot of help from Barney Anglis, um, Anglis, who writes at Aspi Della Zouche on Twitter. Oh, on Twitter. Um, and he's been great at going meticulously through Natty's um, EHCP with us point by point by point. But I think... And is it right he has uh, Asperger's diet? He does have Asperger's, and, um, which is what he writes about on his blog. Mm-hmm. He's an SEN consultant. But I think unless you really have someone that knows what they're doing I'd have been completely lost with that um, mm-hmm. process and it is very tricky and still um, we're finding that the parental contribution is not being listened to and is being discarded and unless there's professional <coughs> evidence yeah. each and every point on that plan it's not it's not being taken so, yeah, into um, well, you know all about this don't you like the family's views are just not taken into yeah, account exactly and uh, mm-hmm. in terms of EHCPs I did training on them on <laughs> Friday <laughs> but it was really interesting because so me and my colleague went and then we were pretty much the only people there who weren't parents and it's kind of why do the parents have to do the training on this? You need a it's training because course. it's because no one no one explains to them or the information a lot of them were saying, you know, the information they were given was false and was kind of to stop their children getting EHCPs and things like that. So it's a real issue. Um, or to make them very generic and very yeah. simplistic and um, We found from the statement to the EHCP it's I'm going shall I say shall I say it? Come political say it. political correctness gone oh. mad. <laughs> So the the statement okay. used to identify areas in which Ollie required help, like what the problems were and what was needed. Okay. Whereas this was, who am I? What do I like? I like doing this. What do my classmates like about me? And it seemed to be much harder to get the needs down okay. and what the needs, how the needs needed to be met. I think we tackled, we did it that way. <laughs> maybe that was Barney saying, we're going to do Barney, it that way. We need to get Barney. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But each county does it differently. So yeah, that's another that's issue. Yeah. You can't just go online and kind of pick up a template because each county is different. So, um, yeah, but it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, exactly. exactly and what it shouldn't, you're just saying be, there. shouldn't be the parents' jobs to sort of pour over. They, they didn't, you know. That's but not, unless we do, then. Yeah, exactly. Unless, <laughs> unless, unless, like the parents there were saying, you know, they didn't have the knowledge that they were gaining from the training. They couldn't do it. They wouldn't get any no, HCP, or don't. the HCP wouldn't reflect their child's needs, or this. And it's, it's, it's <coughs> and my advice is always to find. Sorry, that chocolate chip is long lasting. <laughs> <laughs> my advice is always to find a, a, a parent of an autistic child because they're always, I mean, not always, but nearly always amazing at this. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've copied their templates. They're so thorough. But apparently I've heard, again, from Barney, that um, EHCPs for young people with autism are far, far more... Um, 
detailed because autism is the watchword at the moment where, and there are far fewer young people with Down syndrome and that isn't the watchword and they are, and this is a very upsetting phrase, but they are sort of yesterday's children. They're mm. almost historic. Yes. Um, <coughs> and why would you bother putting um, you bother you know, training teachers so when exactly. the so population may be about to yeah. You know, autism teachers, don't you? Specialists, but there are no specialists in Down syndrome. I was thinking... Um, um, in places like Denmark and Sweden, when it does come to World Down Syndrome Day, what's gonna, the reaction going to be? Say it does become the word I've seen a lot is eradicated. Which mm. oh, just, yeah, tell you what really me. has bothered me about it's Denmark, isn't it? Where they had is it Denmark or is it Holland? Where they had I think Holland. With Denmark, where they had an advert on the side of the bus paid for by the Ministry of Health that said a Down's baby costs a million euros a year. Which is literally inciting hatred exactly. to the parents. Wild. But also, these are completely fictitious numbers. Yeah, that's just so either when, well, not I, but um, lie on a bus. They, went, they went in and they said, <laughs> the, the local DSA were like, tell us, where did you get these figures? What are these from? Like, where, where do they... And also, what, the, what does a, a, a normal baby cost? And what, yeah. just what give us... Cost? Let's have... What if we're, yeah. we're going to have... If, if this is the debate which it requires everyone to come clean and say, OK, we're all in with utilitarianism. If this is the debate, then let's have it, but let's use accurate figures. Yeah, you can't... Right? And the other thing is that... The, the other thing they just dis, are discussing there is whether parents who knowingly have a child with Down syndrome ought to be fined because they're imposing a financial burden on the state. So people think... People think that... Um, that you know, we're a more inclusive society, and you know, we are in lots of ways, but I, I feel like the two voices have got more strident. These two forces have got more, more strident and stronger. So disability rights, and you know, things like, you know, this is happening, you're standing up, people are standing up, speaking out, and in some cases being listened to. But at the same time, you know, you have austerity everywhere. Um, you have, you know, big force against, um, you know, against... Uh, setting things up, and, and this whole sort of hatred, um, hate crime on the rise, and for reasons like, like this, that yeah. people are going, you're taking my thing, you're, you're costing me money, why should I pay for you? I think uh, irresponsible is the word I saw. Um, A lot of parents are told they're irresponsible not to screen in this country. And so the, the scary debate, the scary end of the debate is very near... And, and there's it, academics writing papers like that we have a moral obligation to produce the best possible children. That's, and they're taken very that's, seriously. That's, that's developing familiar, into sort of yeah. Aryan like, style. Well, it, we it were, is. We and yet, and yet if you say the word yeah. eugenics, yeah, exactly. everyone goes, oh, you can't bring the yeah. Nazis into it. You, you lose all respect if you do that. It's but I mean, I, I don't see the difference. And if you it look is. at the 19... Well, I do see the difference. The difference is that... It was compulsory. By the end, it was compulsory in Germany. But if you look at the conditions for it, you had, um, you know, uh, problems with the economy, and you had, um, you had ideas of eugenic, eugenics gaining popularity amongst academics, and you have exactly that. So you have you have John Harris, Peter Singer, Julius Savalescu addressing addressing Davos, you know, um, Toby Young. <laughs> Oh. You, did you follow that? Yeah, we did. <laughs> a, uh, did a, I did, did a, a bit. Post. Uh, did you? Yeah. I felt a bit sorry from the end. I mean, I did. I did spend a day like not trolling him, but kind of <laughs> following him around on Twitter, <laughs> like holding him to account uh, every turn. I did feel a bit. I felt a bit guilty after that. Sorry about that. But I um, mean, it is interesting that um, you know someone said to me the other day that. Uh, 
they were talking about baby pee and they said those two should have been sterilised, they shouldn't have been allowed to have children. So this is not uh, an unsayable thing that mm. we should sterilise people at society. I mean, you know, maybe that, maybe that was the answer there. I, don't, I mean, I don't claim to have any of these... Mm any of the answers to these questions, but it's just interesting that that is a thing that can be said uh, that couldn't, couldn't have been said, I don't think, 15 years ago. Yeah. And Unfortunately, uh, I, could talk, I could sit here all <laughs> evening and talk to you, but we only have the room to, uh, well, now, basically. So we're going to have to wrap things up. Um, Lovely to meet but, you. Oh, thank you so us. much for coming. Yeah. Oh, great, great pleasure. So, amazing to meet you. Oh, you're, thank you. You are really inspirational young men. I <laughs> you mean, are. really driven to do something a little bit different. We're actually really pro-screening. Which yeah. Got <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I screened with all three of mine. And um, um, I definitely died. didn't want any... Ollie's my eldest. I didn't want any more surprises. I would have found out <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. if I could have. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Weirdly, was screened by Basky. Did I tell you that? Yes, you did. Yeah, who whose guy was put up against on the Today programme one day. Oh, really? Which was really oh, great. Yeah. It was yeah. really, that was really great because we had a personal relationship and it wasn't just, you know, yeah. we couldn't just yeah. attack each other. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. Thank you. Oh, Let coming. us talk about the sort of... The, the about breasts and knickers. Uh, oh, knickers yeah. and breasts That's as well as yeah. really serious, you know, <coughs> eugenics and screening. And, uh, but actually just to share a little snippet of our... Our, our ordinary, ordinary yeah, that's ordinary for Down syndrome. Oh, that's all right. We've all got odd socks on. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. We, need to take, you know, I, we obviously need to take, take some pictures. pictures. Yeah, we yeah. take pictures. Don't um, we? I always got, wear odd socks. Silly socks <laughs> on. So it's easy for me. My final question is: Is there an emoji for the for the? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, doing, right? I don't <laughs> know how we. I don't know how we uh, get that across on. Mm. Mine, I didn't mine was electric, so I just had to do. Mine was electric, but it had two arms. But you had to hold them. No, 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 no. These these were the arms. That there was a thing, and I was attached, and the arms just went. Because <laughs> you didn't just read like the paper. A, yeah, I could read the paper. You could read the paper. I, I, could, read the paper, I, I, yeah. I could cook soup you couldn't, at the same time. <laughs> could you? I did go to the Bridget Jones Bridget Jones two premiere, and. Uh, oh, there wasn't any drilling going nearby, was there? No, there was no. No, I came back, and because what happened? You won't know this, but what, what happens is that you you know you just keep. It's like a leaky bath, yeah. and you just keep. And by the time I came back, I was, you know, I'd been out all night and I was about to burst. So I sat on the expressor and it was basically pure alcohol. Like <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's. <laughs> and on that note. Uh, that yeah. Note, yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'll stop it now. TMI. <laughs>in the train station still still, still there um, so that was that uh, yeah. yeah once again thank you very much to Hope both Sally and Haley. Um, especially Haley. she brought us a, a book as a present which was very kind of her and yeah for making the time for us uh, which is very cool I've had to make a promise to Tom that I won't sing because we're in public and he might melt uh, yes. not like melt in the <laughs> sense that like oh isn't he dreamy but melt as a <laughs> melt with embarrassment yeah. Uh, Twitters, our own ones. Uh, at RaffaDrino123 is me. Tom is at RaffaDrino123. I am at WaspsKillBears. There's a story behind that. And together we are at ChallengingPod. Uh, it's the WordPress, challengingbehaviors.wordpress.com, <laughs> which yes. may be updated one day, who knows. And uh, you can email us at challengingbehaviorspodcast at gmail.com. 
uh, we realised the, the, we might have a bunch of new listeners so do feel do check out some other episodes uh, I'd recommend episode 11 which is the sibling revelry one where we talk about experiences of being a sibling with a learning disability and having a sibling with additional needs and episode 4 episode 4 where we talk about the undateables and uh, my life my choice one which was yeah. uh, not too long ago episode uh, 15 and uh, I think that's it yeah cool bye see you soon bye in audio, in audio form bye.